Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Season 2. I'm your forever coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and we are all here weekly to share the ups, downs, and all-arounds of the wild world of parenting. A safe space, a Lego-free space, to vent, to inspire, and well, perhaps this is the only adult conversation you hear all day. What is Adia doing? A, B, C, D. <laughs> is that funny? So each week, I will be joined by a fellow striving, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We learn together. We grow together. Hell, we cheers with an adult bevy when necessary. I get it. I am human and failures simply happen. I am not shiny and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am at its best. Even when the dishes aren't done, there's crayon on the wall, and well, my hair hasn't been washed in forever. I am Busy Mumsy. Hello, 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 friends. Ash here. I'm excited today. I have been pacing all day and with excitement and with nerves because of today's guest. And uh, she's actually based on the West Coast of America. And as you know, I'm in Uganda, so um, it is nearing sleepy time for me. And she is waking up with coffee. I have no doubt. (laughs) I mean, because who doesn't wake up with coffee? I, I don't I don't quite understand anyone that functions without a caffeine kick in the morning. But hey, you do you. Um, but I will still question, where is your cup of cuppa? It just is what it is. Anyways, um, back to my excitement. Alison Desaire is multi-talented, an athlete, a founder, a doer, an activist, a connector, and an unapologetically straightforward communicator with a passion for community health. Allison is the author of Running While Black. She is the founder of Harlem Run, a New York-based running movement, and Run for All Women, which has raised over $150,000 for Planned Parenthood and $270,000 for Black Voters Matter. Allison is also the co-founder and former chair of the Running Industry Diversity Coalition. I mean, she's not busy enough, my friends. She is not busy enough. The Running Industry Diversity Coalition is a nonprofit that unites the running industry to provide resources, measures progress, and hold the industry accountable to equitable employment, leadership, and ownership positions, and improve inclusion, visibility, and access for Black, Indigenous, and people of color. Allison most recently has channeled her personal experiences and formal training to bring the mental benefits of running to a broader group. Allison was named as one of the Power Women of 2022 by Women's Running Magazine, and she was also listed as one of the most influential African-Americans aged 25 to 45 by The Root 100. She is a mama bear, my friends. She is a mama bear to a three and a half year old. Dear Corey, you can follow that on the Instagram. I'm a bundle of excitement. Honestly, I'm nervous. I'm excited. I mean, I'm, I'm like this with pretty much all the guests that come on the Busy Mumsy podcast, but there is just something about Allison that really has had me just like pacing the floors, looking at the clock and going, when are we diving on into this Busy Mumsy chat? So let's go. Allison Desir, welcome to the Busy Mumsy podcast. Thank you so much. (laughs) And I'm going to give myself a high five because I pronounced your last name correctly. You did. You did. Well, welcome, welcome. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And um, 
I want to share with you because we just for the listeners, we are officially just meeting for the first time. Yes. It is bedtime where I am and it is the morning time for Allison. <laughs> yes. I just had to pry my little son's fingers off of me and he's at daycare. He's off to daycare. And you know why? I, I just want you to be honest, Allison. How does it feel now when the child goes to daycare? It is the best moment of my day. <laughs> it is just a huge weight off my shoulders. I could be myself for at least mm -hmm. five hours unless yeah. there's like a poop or vomit situation. Yeah. No, I'm so <laughs> with you. So we are very much the terrible threes now with Adia. Mm -hmm. She is in a new school and we are the up and down roller coaster of the pooping issues right now mm. and training and we're not quite there. And then we're there. Then we're mm. not quite there. So, um, yeah, no, th those five hours are blissful. <laughs> they are. I, I heard another parent talk about how sometimes I do wish that he were here, but in another room being taken care of and I could just like go see his face and then go back to do what I'm doing. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, no. let, let's not forget about those nine months, that situation that went on within your body, things going north, south, east, west. Exactly. Perhaps having all come back together. I don't know about you. Mine haven't. <laughs> oh, no, they're still <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah, it's still all out there. I'm like, okay, can we just do baby number two now so that we can just make it all kind of be okay again? Mm, that's a whole other thing. We'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> Well, Allison, I actually wanted to share with you because I have to confess that I am not a runner. Mm. I am not a runner. I am not the endurance athlete that you are, mm. but my brother is. Mm. And my brother and I chat all the time about the podcast. And I'm always like, who should I get on the show? And like all of like, I, I just bounce ideas off of him all the time. And he said, I was actually reading a running magazine and there's this girl in there and he started talking about you. Mm, wow. You should totally reach out to this girl, Allison. Like, mm. that, like he like sent me a link to the, the article that he read about you. He's like, she's got a book. She mm. has a little boy. Like she would be perfect for busy mumsy. And I was like, you know what? I'm all about just like put out some good luck out there into the mm. world. And see if the Instagram magic works and <laughs> yeah. here we are. Because I love I mean, that. isn't that fun? Because yeah. I have to tell you, my brother is a runner. Like he loves to run. He ran all through school. Um, he kept up with it. Um, he was military, so mm. um he kept up with it when he could um while he served for 26 years. Oh wow. And um, and he still tries to do as much as he possibly can still to this day. Mm. And I'm that girl. If there's a block of cheese, a glass of wine, maybe a steak like dangling in front of me, I'll run for it. But that's about it. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you to your brother. Yeah. So I, I have to give a big old shout out to my brother for this. And so, Allison, as we are meeting, and mm -hmm. perhaps this is a first for any Busy Mumsy listener um, meeting Allison as well, I would just love for you to share where are you from, where, where, where are your roots from, mm -hmm. and, um, and like, you know, just let, let's start there, and then we're going to dive on into more parenting world and running world. Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. We're going there as well. <laughs> awesome. So I am, um, I was born in New York. I'm the first generation American. So my mother is from Colombia. My father was from Haiti. 
And um, two years ago, after living in New York my whole life, two years ago, my husband and son and I moved to Seattle, Washington. So um, we were we had been living in New York during the pandemic and living in anybody is listening from New York. You live in like a tiny box. And I was like, this is not the life that I want. I want to be able to years in New York. I lived in many shoe boxes. So I I also know when when they started, when they told us that we couldn't leave the you know, you couldn't leave your homes, which I, I totally understand the situation was dire in New York. I was like, wow, but there are people in other places who have a backyard who are, who, or who at least can go out on their front steps and that yeah. we couldn't do that. So we moved to Seattle and it's been amazing to have greater access to the outdoors and my son fresh loves air. it. So fresh air, exactly. Lakes and beautiful views. So I don't miss New York. I miss the people. That will always run deep because I think once you become, well, you were a New Yorker, you were born Mm -hmm. and raised there. Mm -hmm. For me, I started going to New York as a nine-year-old and it Mm -hmm. just became in my blood, my heartbeat. And for Mm -hmm. me, I feel like I was also born in New York. Mm -hmm. And when I left there, again, I don't miss the the two-by-two rooms and (laughs) the very thin walls that you knew, not just what the neighbor was doing, but next to the neighbor. (laughs) no, I, I don't miss that, but right. just the melting pot mm. of craziness and mm. wonderfulness, and like all of the things like mm. that, that would always run deep. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I think that that New York energy really does set you up for success anywhere else because you have seen, to your point, you've seen chaos. You've also experienced and had access to things like, I mean, museums and shows, things that a lot of people don't have access to. And you also know how to like see something really weird and keep it moving. <laughs> like, you know, mind your business when you need to. That's actually very, very true. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes. Well, now for you now, you, you guys have uprooted and you're now in Seattle. Mm-hmm. What is that like for you now knowing that your little one, Corey, mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. Corey is not going to be growing up in that type of melting Mm. pot for Mm. you. Like, what does that mean for you? Because I know for me on my calendar, I've already been looking at flights. I need to get my daughter to New York. Adia Mm. needs to spend a couple weeks there to experience Mm. it. She's three, Mm -hmm. but still, Mm -hmm. I want this, I I want this feeling to get generated in her because there's nothing like yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. Um, my son, when you ask him, where are you from? He says the Bronx because oh. he was, he was born in, in Lenox Hill hospital in Manhattan, but then we had an apartment in the Bronx. So we've instilled in him that he's from the Bronx and you know, there's, um, there's a part of me, there's like a push and a pull there because I, I want him to have that New York energy and attitude. But then I also love seeing the completely like carefree, rolling around in mud nature kid. So to your point, my hope is that we're able to visit New York, you know, often enough that he can sort of access both of those things. But the move really was about getting, making sure that he felt comfortable in the outdoors. Like I love, I love running. I love hiking. Now I've um, discovered kayaking and fly fishing. And so for my son to grow up thinking that that's, normal that that's just what people do I think is gonna um, just be so helpful for for his mental health and for um, his understanding of what he's capable of 
And what was the transition like for you mm-hmm. as having a new son, mm-hmm. a, a new schedule, mm-hmm. all of those things, and then you add a move and a new city and new surroundings? How mm-hmm. was that for you to take on mm-hmm. as a new mom? Well, oh my gosh, our move was, uh, so we moved, my son was, I think he was 17 months old then. And um, this is funny in retrospect. It wasn't at the time, but so we're spending the whole day moving. and Always is. (laughs) And there were two movers. We lived in this box, but somehow it still was taking forever. And we forgot to feed my son the whole day. (laughs) So it's like, God bless him. So it's like. That sounds like my Sunday. (laughs) It's 5 p.m. And he's going crazy. We forgot to feed him and he didn't nap. He's going crazy. He's like ripping the skin off of his face. And then I asked my husband, I'm like, did you feed Corey? And he's like, no, did you? I'm like, oh my God, this poor thing. Like, because they can't speak for themselves. So he, he yeah, just, of course. again, tore the, tore, like his face looked like, um, like a little, like a kitten had just ripped him apart. And then, um, you know, so the move itself was just awful. And I remember getting to Seattle and asking myself, like, was this worth it? You know, like, should we really have done this? But then it happened to snow that first weekend, which doesn't snow much in Seattle. And when it does snow in Seattle, everybody gets out their skis and starts skiing through the streets. And my son was, we were literally like rolling in the middle of these city streets. And I was like, okay, this is a sign. Like in New York, when it snows, the snow turns yellow because people are peeing in it. So, that is true. <laughs> so that is like, true. this is a sign. And you then, do you know, not snow in no, New York. No, no. Um, and then kids, like, you know, they always say it, it sounds cliche, but kids really are resilient. Like, he pretty mm-hmm. quickly um, just adapted. And then it was kind of fun for all of us to be trying to figure out life together here. And how was that for you figuring out you as a new mom, Mm. you in a new body, you, Mm. someone who is so athletic, Mm. how Mm -hmm. was that navigating this kind of like, I I don't want to get in it like, yeah, we can, the bounce back culture and the pressure of this is also about you as an athlete training your body back to where you were and expectation. Yeah. Because- that's a very, uh, that's a whole other mindset in itself. When you add the expectation of the athlete in that mind of wanting to always get across that finish line and numbers and times. and Absolutely. All of yeah, that was my, that was my biggest struggle. So um, I'll go back a little bit. And um, I, I struggled a lot with postpartum depression and anxiety. And despite actually, I went to school for mental health counseling and I practiced as a therapist for a little while. So knowing what postpartum depression and anxiety is, is one thing. And then experiencing it is another. And I was so much in the fog that I actually didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what was happening to me. It was my husband who said to me, Allison, you're, you're not okay. Right. And we need to, we need to do something about this. So there was that piece of it. Then there was also the piece of expecting that at my six week appointment or 12 week appointment, I can't even remember which one when they say, okay, you can work out again. I expected that that meant that I was going to go like transform immediately back to who I was. Immediately, it, like transformer. <laughs> there we go. I know. I'm like, okay, do I stop my fingers? And in truth, I, I don't, I, I now know that I will never go back to who I was, but I also, I had friends, I have friends who are Olympians 
who did somehow manage to go back to their former selves or even become faster or better. So I had, I was surrounded by these expectations or images of pregnancy, postpartum motherhood that just weren't mine. And I found that to be really difficult because it makes it seem as if you're the only one having that experience. When in truth, so many of us have varied experiences. So I would say now, three and a half years later, is when I finally feel like I have control over this body. And I have the time, not a lot of time, but I have these five hours when my son is in school where I can actually focus on myself. And I am getting better sleep. And I have time to eat, right? All of those, all of those things are essential <laughs> to, to being a, a healthy mom. Crazy what food and, and sleep can do for, for someone. It's just right. like But the smoke. thing is when you're six months, six months out, a year out, a year and a half out, whatever the case may be, you're not sleeping, you're not eating regularly, and you still want to be able to perform, right? Now I right. see how ridiculous that was. But there's also pressures all around you and these ideas that you're just supposed to snap back or bounce back. And you see people on Instagram living their best lives and you wonder, why not me? Um, which is why when I think about having another one, I'm like, can I really do this again? I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and you're allowed to ask the question and, and mm. be truthful and honest with that. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I very much would love to have another child. Um, will it be challenging? Of course. Mm -hmm. Are there things that I want to maybe change that I did the first time around the second? Yes. Of course. Like yes. there's all of that. And then you, you just splash, you keep on splashing in a little bit of mom guilt here and a little mom guilt there. And then you're like, <laughs> holy hell no, I'm just not going to do it. Just not going to do it. And then the next day I'll have the same thoughts. Yes. Yes. Now I need to know, Allison, as someone who is, very much mental health advocate mm. and an athlete, disruptive, if mm. you will, in the mm -hmm. best positive way. Because mm -hmm. let me tell you, America needs a big old swift kick in the freaking backside. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I am a huge fan of yours and I will applaud you forever. And mm. please keep disruptive. How, how were you able to find your feet to continue mm. on your journey as a writer, mm. as an athlete? for black women in America mm. as an advocate for your son mm. how were you able to do you feel like it was a swift shift for you to like plant your feet and go or is this just something that it just that particular line you can just stay forward on yeah you know I think I think that um if anything my son um gave me even more energy to do this work because I recognize that you know, having a young black boy in this country who's going to be a black man means that there's he's going to encounter danger that somebody else may not. And as right. his mother, I, you know, having him made me realize that the work that I've been doing before, it's sort of now in, I need to be even more intense and intentional about it. I need to make sure that in in our home, I let him know just how much he matters and that he sees himself reflected in his books and movies and that I'm telling him the stories and the history that he won't learn in school. And then outside of the home, I need to do whatever I can to, to create safety for him, right? And so that means that that's being vocal in schools if I have to. That means um, making sure that 
whatever programs he's part of, um, you know, just using my voice and my platform in a way that that will allow him to have the best and safest life. And none of that is easy. Um, it's also exhausting, but it's sort of just a, a responsibility, you know, to have a black son. And I imagine if I had a daughter, you having a daughter, right? When you recognize that the world is really not built for them to thrive or be successful, it just lights this fire under your ass, right? It's like, no, well, I'm, on my watch, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure he has the best life he can have. Yeah, I mean, I've had I've had a couple other discussions with other um, other guests that have come on the show, and we talk about I'm a blended family, so my mm -hmm. husband's Indian, mm -hmm. so we've got a, you know a, a blended daughter, and I want mm -hmm. her to learn the culture of. I mean, he's originally from the UK, but his parents are from India, and. Mm -hmm traveled there and it's important for me to learn that and right now I sit here in Uganda I'm mm. in East Africa mm. I was raised to see color mm. and I saw a lot of hate mm. not not just from black from a lot of white and mm. more so white mm. and it was I'm from West Virginia I'm from a mm. very not I'm I'm not proud of obviously my upbringing of what it produced mm, in mm -hmm. people there, but I sure as hell wasn't raised like that. Mm. I was aware of what was going on and I was taught to love and I was mm. taught the accepting and, and all of that. But mm. unfortunately we don't live in that world. Mm -hmm. That world, mm -hmm. like I was lucky to live in that household, but that mm -hmm. doesn't make it the world. Right. And you know, for me and my husband, we want to not shelter our daughter and we want to show her exactly what is going on and what she should be doing. Yep. You know, what you said that I think is so important is that you were raised to see color, which is, I, I always get blown away when people say that they don't see race. And it's like, but you do, because you know that so I'm black, right? You do. <laughs> it is so there. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Allison, can I, I just have to share with you, I had a, um, a dear friend of mine named Eric Galloway he was a dance partner of mine growing mm. up in high school and we did dance competitions. I'm very much from like the dance mom world. Mm. <laughs> so I just it. a little context. <laughs> so we are at a dance competition and we were, we were staying with the Galloways. We were, we were sharing a room because mm. and hotels are expensive, right? So we right. got two double beds. I slept with my mom. He slept with his mom. All is fine with the world. What we do, we wake up the next morning, we go outside, there's salt and pepper shakers on the floor in front of our hotel room, oh blended God. in front of the room. And I looked at my mom and my mom looked at Joyce and we went back into the room and they, they explained to us hate. Wow. Some people just will not accept it. Wow. Wow. And I just remember sitting there with Eric being like, I am so lucky to call you friend. I am so lucky that you're my dance partner. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. we're young, like, we're, yeah. you know, we're kids. And yeah. it's like, how anyone can say that they don't see color mm -hmm. means that they don't see hate and they mm -hmm. don't see what's mm -hmm. going on in the world. Mm -hmm. And it, it drives me mad. Mm. It drives me mad. And I can only wish you the biggest success of getting mm. your voice out there and to the right people, because mm. it's people like you that are changing the world mm. and you. making people perk up and listen up. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, and that's that's the thing. Like seeing color is not it's it's not a it's not a bad thing, right? The idea is that you no. want to see color and not treat people differently because of it, right? But acknowledging exactly, exactly. But yeah, I mean, the, what I realize, and and more and more as this country in particular gets more um, hateful and divisive, is that there's so much fear. People have so much fear of what they don't understand, of who they don't know. They have fear of of um, I don't know, fear of losing power, fear of of not mattering, and that is taking just such vicious vicious tolls on on this country and i think particularly for children right you know my son is um my son is not trans but i don't know who my son will be right but when i see the attacks in this country on trans children right these are little children who didn't you know you don't choose to be trans right you don't choose to be gay you don't choose to be whatever the case may be and all of these adults who are creating a world that's unsafe for them. Um, that's really hard for me to, to, to reconcile. And, and that's part of what guides my fight. And then what really, what was the aha moment of, I need to put pen to paper mm. and write your book? What was that journey like for you with raising your son as well? Mm. Like he's, He's right there on the hip, right? He's right there on the boob. You're, exactly. you're, you're writing a book. You're figuring uh, out north, south, east, west, yes. what's going on. Yes. How did this all come about? What was your journey like? Please share it all, Allison. Yes. I want to say thank, thank goodness I have a partner who is um, supportive. But the idea for the book came uh, you know, um, after the murder of Ahmaud Arbery. And I was reflecting on the fact that now I have a young Black son who could one day be Ahmaud Arbery. Ahmaud Arbery was murdered while going out for a run in Brunswick, Georgia. And so I actually, I wrote an op-ed piece um, that ended up going viral. And in the op-ed piece, I talked about how when I hear the story of what happened to Ahmad, I think about how that could be my son one day, or my son could end up being like Tamira Rice, who was nine years old and who was shot in the playground, or he could be, you know, any number of um, black people who are doing ordinary things and whose lives are taken from them. So I wrote this op-ed and um, black people were thanking me for, for putting this into the words. And a lot of white people had never thought about what the experience of running could be like from the perspective of a black person. So a lot of white people were surprised and were wanting to know more. And I decided, well, I need to write this book because there are no running books out there that tell the story of how for me, running is transformational and I love it, but there's also this additional burden or worry of what could happen to me when I'm outside. So I, um, I had this idea for the book and then of course um, it was the pandemic, right? So um, in, I know, yeah, in July of 2020 is when I finally started to put, July of 2020, my son turned one and I started to put together a book proposal. And so while to your point, I had time in that I was privileged enough, lucky enough to not have to be outside of the home, right? I wasn't a first responder or um, somebody who had to work outside of the home. My husband was also home from work. So I had an opportunity to start putting, putting ideas on paper, but while also sleeping like two hours a day and <laughs> feeding my son every five minutes. Um, and it was, you know, then I, a friend of mine who has a book as well, her name is Lauren Fleshman. She has a book called Good for a Girl that just came out. 
she connected, she heard that I was working on a book and she connected me with her book agent. So if anybody out there wants to write a book, a book agent really holds the keys to the industry. So wow. he got my proposal, got it in front of several editors. And I remember um, then I had meetings with editors and I remember I was holding my son on my chest. He was sleeping while I was having these Zoom meetings with editors about my book to get a book deal. And he would wake up and scream and I would just put it on mute, <laughs> like put him on the other side of the room and then come back to the call. Like it was, I'm, when I think about those days, I, I can't even believe I got through it, but sure enough, I got a book deal. And then it was the struggle of finding not just, you know, time, absolutely. But even when I had those moments in between my son needing something, getting yourself to a mental place where you can write, you know, you're, right. You can't just go from changing a diaper and scooping up vomit to sitting down and being profound, right? So there was um, my my partner, like I said, my husband took on a lot of the responsibility of caring for my son and, and my mom helped. And I just had to sort of train myself to be able to switch quickly between things, right? What kind of, you know, I would um, I would do simple meditations just to sort of like, clear my mind and create the space to sit down and write. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't easy. And um, it was, I had always thought of myself as a writer, but writing a book um, and working with an editor is really hard because the editor wants one thing and you're, you think you've written something really well and they just scratch the whole thing out. <laughs> but um, it's you know, probably. I was breastfeeding and then he pooped <laughs> and this happened and and then I made a dinner. I know. Please. I know. Um, but ultimately, it, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done, but also the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. And um, I'm just so I'm just so proud of, of the book. And what now looking that it's it's out there in the world mm -hmm. and how it's being received, which is beautiful and wonderful. Mm -hmm. And and just for the listeners, it's in the show notes. So you can click there to get all Thank details. And it's all there. But looking at it now, mm -hmm. What do you want to change? Do you, mm. what is the next book? Like, mm. uh, come on, you're an athlete. Yeah. Athletes. It, when you're in that type of business, it's like the Broadway world. You want more and yes. like, what is next? Yeah. So I just have a little feeling behind that gorgeous smile of yours. <laughs> there's something else happening and there's more. Yeah. So um, one, it's just so thrilling. I'm, I'm, I feel so grateful that I, I were able to travel now and that I've been able to visit so many different places and talk about my book and hear how people are enjoying or struggling with my book. So I, you know, I'm still, I had a book tour that was eight weeks and then I took a month break for the holidays and now I'm on the road a lot again, but I also am working on a children's book and mm -hmm. the children's, hopefully it becomes a series, but um, it's going to be a children's book loosely based on my son about a little boy who loves the outdoors. And part of that, comes from the fact that I remember growing up that there were Bronx, Allison from the Bronx from the Bronx yes a little boy from the Bronx oh my gosh yes thank you I need to include you are that. welcome <laughs> you are welcome um but I remember growing up as a kid and there were not books that had racially diverse kids in it right mm -hmm. like I think about your daughter are there books that have um little mixed girls um right. who are the protagonists and so there's this opportunity there's this need to make sure that our children see themselves reflected in beautiful stories. 
So that's what I'm working on. And I, I'm already like dreaming about what that book tour could look like where me and my son go around the country to like kindergarten classes <laughs> and read this book. So that and then me... go on field trips to Disney. Okay, yes. I'm gonna plug you for that one too, Allison. Listen, <laughs> yeah. I am now your fairy godmother. <laughs> yeah. So you're gonna do this children's book, and all the field trips end up at Disney. Disney. I love it. Thank you. I got two key things from you there. <laughs> oh my heavens! I have to ask, as someone who is now a mama bear to a three and a half year old, is yes, is three and a half? Yep. Year old. What do you know now about yourself that, my golly, you sure mm. didn't know about was deep in there that really has shown you mm. what a ferocious mama you are? Yeah. So, well, I want to say a few things. One is that I always used to characterize myself as impatient. I used to, and I, I was, I, you know, I had, yeah, I had, I wanted things done like immediately. And now like, now we're in this phase where his teachers are saying like, it's important that he chooses his outfits and he tries to put on his clothes every day. When I tell you this is like a 45 minute process for a pair of pants, I never knew I had that in me. And I just, I sit there engaged and excited. His foot makes it in and then it comes out. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I just, I have this patience. And then also I never understood why my mom got so excited when something good happened to me. I was like, chill mom. And now I get it. Like when he finally gets his pants on, it's like we won uh, a medal, right? It's so I, I love that. And then I also, you know, there are moments when, and you know, little kids are, they, they touch each other all the time. Like, but when I, when I get to his classroom and I see another kid doing something that I don't like that they're doing to my son, like there is this wave of rage that comes out of me that I didn't even know I had. And of course I don't act on it, right? Like these kids are three and a half, like the teachers right. are in the room, kids hit each other, they bite each other. But, um, but you are wondering what the child's parent's car looks like. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm like- I've done that already. I've done that already. <laughs> I'm like, listen. Okay, three strikes and the car is being oh. smashed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I yeah, don't like the principal's office. I've been there many a time. <laughs> I will continue to go. But that's just it. Um, those things are surprise and delight me. You know, it's um, you, you just can't understand the connection you have, a person has for their children and, until you have it. Like I said, I even... I would think, and I think we all do, like, what is with my mom? Like, why? Like, then I'd be sad and my mom would be in tears. And I'm like, you're so weird. Like, get out of my life. And I get it now. I totally get it. Totally get it. <laughs> and Allison, pass the torch to that expecting busy mumsy who still wants to have a voice. Mm. Still wants to come out, you know, obviously beautiful child, but mm -hmm. also planted. What could you give words of wisdom to that expecting busy mumsy that will help them to find that courage, find that voice and strength? Mm -hmm. You know, what I'll say is that we are far more capable than we know. Mm -hmm. So there will be moments where you feel like you can't, you just can't even do it. I want to validate you in those moments, but also let you know that you can. And that the beautiful thing about being a mother, being a parent, is that there 
are generations of people who have done it. And you wouldn't be here if your parents hadn't done it. Um, oh, yeah. So you got this and you're going to, you're going to, one day you're going to be like laughing with your crazy little toddler and um, just understand that, that it was worth it. Absolutely. Allison, thank you so much for coming on the Busy Mumsy podcast. You are an absolute dream. Thank you. This was just the perfect start to my five hours of bliss. (laughs) Ah, thank you. You you really are an absolute joy. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Did you like it, Adia? Yeah. Oh, the enthusiasm. I love it. Please share your love by giving us a five-star rating, a rockin' review, and please share with any fellow Busy Mumsies. We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in touch, head to the Busy Mumsy show notes for further details and links to the Busy Mumsy website. So long for now. Can you say bye-bye, Adia? Bye-bye, Adia. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel-Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.